This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health, a new fully integrated biopharmaceutical solutions organization that's the result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health. Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit cineoshealth.com podcast. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is September 5th, and we'll be talking healthcare. I'm your host, Christine Hargis, and I'm joined by Fool.com contributor Todd Campbell via Skype. And before we get too far into the show, I wanted to share with our listeners that I will be leaving the Industry Focus team after next week's show, as I've taken a new role at the, role at the Fool with our venture capital team. So this is my penultimate episode, and in it, I want to give a heartfelt thank you to everyone listening, especially to those that have, that have followed the show for a while, to those that have emailed in to offer kind words and suggestions, and to those that I've had the pleasure of talking to in person, both at Fool events and out in the world. It's been an amazing experience to be part of the Motley Fool podcast community, and I will miss having this role in it greatly. But I will be leaving you in the incredibly capable hands of Shannon Jones, who you'll recognize as the host of Industry Focus Financials. And of course, Todd Campbell will be sticking around as well. Okay, Todd, that was enough monologuing, especially because I'll be back in the studio next week. Should we get on with our show? Sure, sure. But first, boo! (laughs) (laughs) We'll all miss you, Christine. I hope that... um... I hope that you'll come back and, and visit with Shannon and, and I on the show at some point and, and let us know some of the cool things that you're coming across when you're researching companies for the venture arm. Yeah, I certainly hope to. And it'll definitely be an interesting change in my research role to be looking at private companies as opposed to the public ones that we've been talking about for the past three, four years. So should be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we wish you well. And I suppose maybe, you know, this is actually kind of an appropriate, you know, subject matter for us today because, you know, we probably last talked about the first stock we're going to discuss uh, when you first started doing Industry Focus, right? Yeah, this is a, a company that has been pretty high interest for the entire time that I've been covering biotech, but it kind of faded over the last few years and people stopped talking about it. So I I guess we should let the cat out of the bag. We're going to be talking about Mankind Corporation, which is just an epic name. And they have been troubled for many, many years, but they were tossed a lifeline. The stock gained 89% yesterday, and actually another 26% last time I looked, which it's around 1230 right now on Wednesday. And that brings them up above a $400 million market cap. So this is quite the turnaround for this company that's had setback after setback. Mankind has really been a tough stock for investors. There was so much excitement at the beginning of this decade for the promise of what mankind was working on. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, But unfortunately, that promise hasn't quite uh, been delivered upon. And it's been a, a really, really tough road for investors as a result, with shares falling dramatically and many people wondering whether or not mankind uh, would actually succeed or remain a, 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 an ongoing concern uh, because of, of the amount of cash and the amount of losses um, that they report on a quarterly basis. Mankind has one product that's on the market. And, you know, it was a very exciting, leading up to its approval, was very exciting, uh, the promise of this drug. It's called Afreza. And Afreza is a inhalable 
insulin. So it's the first inhalable insulin. So around mealtime, if you're a diabetic and you rely on mealtime insulin, you no longer would have to give yourself a shot. Instead, you could just use a very simple to use inhaler powered by your breath. Very small, um, size of like a small golf pencil, really. Hold it up to your mouth, take in some breaths, and boom, there you have your insulin dosed right through your lungs. Although the, the excitement was there, Christine, um, you know, to, to peg this thing as a blockbuster, it never materialized. They, they cut some deals. I'm sure we'll talk about it to try and get this thing going. But, you know, the, the, after all the puts and takes, you know, we're talking about a drug that's selling still at about, uh, I think, $3.7 million a quarter as of Q2. Right. So uh, mankind did not invent insulin by any means. But what they did was they used their Technosphere technology platform to make the first ever inhalable mealtime insulin. And so that was what really made the difference there. And like you mentioned, Todd, there was a lot of hype. But ultimately, sales just did not perform as expected. One of the biggest problems was that insurance companies were classifying the drug in a different tier than mankind had lobbied for. And it ended up, they, they ended up uh, being listed as tier three rather than the tier two that they had hoped for, which ultimately meant that there are a handful of restrictions, including consumers paying a higher copay. And so that all kind of added up to them struggling tremendously to market this product and slowly running out of cash. Yeah, you know, the, the market for mealtime insulin is pretty huge. I mean, obviously, there's over 20 million people with type 2 diabetes. I think there's over a million people with type 1 diabetes. About 5. Point, I don't know, call it 8 million people take insulin to help manage their disease, and many more every year, right? Because the, the, the number of people who are getting um, diagnosed with diabetes is actually increasing. Uh, globally, and I think that one of the, one of the the drawbacks you mentioned obviously was was you know the insurance coverage of this. That was that was obviously a very big blow because you know you have this market and it's dominated by Novolog, which is made by uh, Novo Nordisk, and then you got Humalog, which is made by uh, Eli Lilly, and those two I think comprise like ninety five percent of the mealtime insulin market. So it's, it was a, it's a market that, that was ripe for disruption, but um, they just weren't able to, to push on through and establish a foothold in it. And what would, made that really surprising, I suppose, to many investors was the fact that um, they weren't able to, to get a foothold even with the help of Sanofi, which is um, the manufacturer of the top-selling uh, long-lasting insulin Lantus, which is a mega blockbuster drug. So, you know, Sanofi had licensed um, Afreza from Mankind, paid him a, a bunch of money up front um, as part of that deal uh, to ostensibly turn loose their sales team that was already calling on people to sell Lantus uh, to drive demand for Afreza. You know, long story short, after uh, about a year, year and a half, they they walked away from the licensing pack, returned the rights to Afreza back to mankind. And ever since, mankind has had to foot the bill of trying to get this drug in front of uh, prescribers and in front of patients ever since. And frankly, because of the complexity involved in developing inhalable insulin and, and now all the expenses associated with trying to market it, um, they've just been burning through cash. I mean, they're losing $24 million per quarter and I think exiting the second quarter, they only had about $27 million on the books. So a lot of people were looking at this company and saying, geez, they just 
they're just not going to have enough money. They're going to run out of cash potentially by sometime in the in the fourth quarter unless they do a deal or something happens. Fast forward to yesterday, and sure enough, we get this brand new deal, this lifeline, as you put it, thrown to it. Right. So United Therapeutics, the ticker UTHR, stepped in and signed an exclusive global licensing and collaboration agreement with Mankind to develop a dry powder formulation of United Therapeutics drug Treponostil, which we're just going to call TREP. So United Therapeutics sells a bunch of different versions of this drug. They have an injected one, an oral one. They even have their own inhaled one. But turns out that Mankind has actually been working on their own version of an inhaled version of this drug. And so what United Therapeutics is doing here is protecting its moat. It's buying up what could potentially be a competitor someday to its own inhaled version of TREP. Yeah, this is actually a probably maybe under un, under uh, appreciated how big a deal this is for united therapeutics because i mean and and also maybe you know big shout out to mankind's management for making this a, a focus of their pipeline um, they didn't have all, a lot of money to spend in r&d so going out and choosing to focus on developing uh, an inhalable vis- version of trap is is was was brilliant really um, you know you've got a, a relatively large market the PA treatment market um, is worth about six billion annually, and theoretically, um, you know, a version of trap and inhale version of trap would allow you to reach about forty-five percent of that market. And you know, what's really interesting here is that United Therapeutics just is losing uh, patent protection on Remodelin, which is the injectable version of um, trap, right? This year. Uh, and and that's thrown throwing a lot of uh, concern out there for for what could end up happening to this company's sales going forward. So it's had to be on defense, and you know it's really been you know cutting some deals. Like they recently cut a deal with Watson to delay the entrance of their um, generic version of the of United Therapeutics inhaled Tyvaso uh, until 2026. And then by going out and cutting this deal with mankind. They're essentially getting control of what could be, you know, a, a competitor to Vivaso in 2020, and with Tavaso having patent perfection until about 2000, I think 26. Um, you know, obviously very important to protect hundreds of millions of dollars of sales by fending off mankind before they could even get into phase three trials. Right. So you mentioned that this is a treatment for PA. So that stands for pulmonary arterial hypertension. Basically, what that means is that the pressure is too high inside the blood vessels of your lungs. But another interesting detail that I want to add to the conversation, because I haven't seen a lot of uh, the articles, the news articles coming out about this, mention this, but Remodulin was actually created through a combination with Minimed 21 years ago. And Minimed was a Alman product. Alman is the founder of Mankind, but before Mankind, he actually founded the company called Minimed in 1993, which was acquired by Medtronic in 2001. So there's somewhat of a history between, if not Mankind Corporation, at least Alman and United Therapeutics. Yeah, and we, I suppose we should shouldn't forget that because Alman was a big reason for all of the excitement. Um, in mankind, you know, between 2010 and 2014, because you know, man has had an incredible track record of being a serial entrepreneur, obviously a, a billionaire, 
people assumed, hey, you know, this guy's going to be able to catch lightning in a bottle again and roll out this, you know, brand new type of mealtime insulin, reshape that market, disrupt it, and we're going to make a lot of money by investing alongside of him. Hasn't quite worked out that way, has it, Christine? Because, you know, obviously shares have you know, gone from about six or seven bucks um, at their peak when Sanofi was working with them to, um, even after this big rally the last two days, about I think two dollars and seventy something cents a share. So it's it's been a very very tough ride. Uh, you know I think that any investor who's looking at this is now look is now wondering you know how how big of a lifeline how long is the lifeline you know right you get this extra forty five million dollars in upfront money um, that uh, United Therapeutics handed over to mankind, which is huge given the fact that otherwise they'd be running out of cash at some point in the, in the fourth quarter. Um, plus, you got another $10 million to work on an undisclosed product. So, you got another $55 million to add to the balance sheet. But even with that $55 million, when you start looking at the numbers, you say to yourself, well, that really only gets them into Q1 of 2019. Yeah, and that is just because mankind is not negotiating from a position of strength here. Everybody knows how much they're struggling, and so you know, years ago when we were considering what is, what are the options for mankind, it was a pretty grim outlook because any potential partner or acquirer knows that you're negotiating from a position of weakness, and so I do wonder how this deal it was initiated and what the negotiating table actually looked like because it, United Therapeutics got a much better deal than they would have from a more stable company. Yeah, and if you look at their uh, Mankind's earnings conference call, um, the last one, they mentioned they actually mentioned, hey, you know, look at this deal that United Therapeutics recently cut for this pump version of Remodulin. And, you know, maybe, you know, hinting and saying, hey, look, there's this big deal. Maybe we've got a deal coming too. Um, and then Deerfield, which actually, you know, is the, the I guess he, they come first as far as Deerfield lent a bunch of money to mankind. Mankind's got to pay them back, right? So they, they come first when, they, when payments have to be made. Um, they actually put off a payment from July, I think, until August 31 for $3 million. Maybe they knew that something was in the works here. and they, they wanted to try and give mankind a little bit more um, uh, position of strength to operate and, and negotiate. One way or another, though, you know, this is, this is where we are right now. We have, um, you know, the two companies teamed up now on this PAH drug. Uh, we don't have any idea if it'll succeed in phase three. We can assume, okay, let's assume that it does. Uh, when would that get to market? Maybe 2020. So again, we still have this big cash, potential cash problem in 2019 that mankind has to address. Now, it can earn 50 million in milestones um, tied to this drug. But I haven't seen yet the breakout of how much of that is development versus regulatory approval versus uh, potential sales milestones. So I, I think there's still a lot of questions on the on the financial front that need to be answered um, before an investor would go out and buy mankind. But at the same time, I also think that you know you really can't be shorting mankind right now because um, you have no idea whether or not you know they'll earn those fifty that fifty million. They'll sign another deal with another company that might be interested in doing this. And there's also a part of this deal allows for United Therapeutics to give them another $40 million to opt in a second drug. And maybe that second drug will be Ed Circa, which is um, uh, a version of Cialis, Cialis that's used in the PA indication. Um, and theoretically, you know, if you could create an inhalable version of that, it would be pretty exciting too. So who knows? I mean, I'm just spitballing now what that other product could be, but you know, we, and we just don't know. But I feel like there's, there's so many question marks, so many things that are left 
unanswered here that it's hard to be either long or short this stock. Well, there are a lot of people that agree with you today that you shouldn't be short this stock. So previously, it was a heavily shorted stock, and today's 20% plus move is pretty likely a short squeeze. So a little bit of background there. Um, when you are shorting a stock, you're betting against it. The way that you exit that short position is that you buy back those borrowed shares, and basically it's your way of eliminating any further obligation to the broker. So you're limiting your losses, and this can start a bit of a buying frenzy because it pushes the stock higher and higher. And so people who are short, who are potentially facing unlimited losses, are like, oh, get me out here, you know, I'll eat whatever loss I'm I'm currently going to have to eat, but don't make me lose any more. So <laughs> there are certainly fewer people that are looking to short the stock now. Yeah, and there's also a weird thing. I think Deerfield can convert some of their debt to shares above a dollar eighty a share. Um, you theoretically could mankind go out and maybe raise a little bit of money now that the shares are so much higher they were. I mean, they went from a dollar to two seventy something. Um, so it's a huge move for investors who are lucky enough to to pick it up at a dollar. But I I just think that the the risk is is too great here until to be on either side of this trade, at least until we know for sure that you know this company has reached cruising altitude with sales of Fresa, like I said, $3.7 million a quarter uh, with $24 million a quarter in losses. That's just not going to do it. Yeah. Well, I do love a good turnaround story. So, even if they haven't completely righted the ship quite yet, um, I am somewhat glad that we're still talking about them. So, we'll be back for the second half of our show after a quick break. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cineos Health. Bringing a new drug to market is getting tougher and tougher. At Cineos Health, they're changing the game. As a result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, they have created a unique business model that allows clinical and commercial disciplines to work together, eliminating traditional process obstacles and delivering something they call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Helping their customers accelerate the delivery of important therapies to patients, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast. And we're back. So Amarin, ticker AMRN, has been steadily climbing since August in anticipation of a boom or bust cardiovascular outcome study of the company's drug Vasipa, which is a purified fish oil pill that is approved to lower triglyceride levels. Todd, the drug is already approved. Why does this trial make any difference? Yeah, well, it's 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 a huge theoretically a huge binary event for Amarin. Um, because Vasepa, while it's been on the market for a number of years, the use of it has been hamstrung because of concerns uh, between doctors of whether or not there's a direct link between reducing triglycerides, um, so fat in the blood, um, and you know reducing the likelihood of, say, a stroke, a heart attack, or or death, so a cardiovascular event. This trial uh, sparked a trial that Amarin started six years ago um, called Reduce It. And reduce it is evaluating whether or not Vasepa can indeed um, do that. If it can improve outcomes for cardiovascular patients, if the trial is a success, then theoretically you open up the market to tens of millions of people who are currently on statins yet still have relatively high levels of triglycerides. If it's a failure, then doctors may simply look at it and say, "Yeah, I don't know if I should be using this at all for anyone." Well, especially because you can get omega-3 over-the-counter. But Vasipa is differentiated because it is a unique formulation taken at a fairly high dose that is supposedly more pure. And so the hope there is that it will actually be demonstrated to 
uh, be able to have these long-term cardiovascular positive outcomes, or at least lowering the negative outcomes, in a way that has not been proven in any of the other multiple studies about normal old omega-3. Yeah, bears will point to study after study after study, failed studies, showing that you know just taking supplements, over-the-counter supplements of omega-3 don't... Um, uh, you know, lower your risk of having one of these cardiovascular events. Now, the bull side of the argument would be that, but yeah, but, you know, omega-3s that you buy over the counter also have, you know, other things in them, including something called DHA, which is known to raise bad cholesterol levels. So theoretically, while omega-3 over the counter can reduce triglycerides, it may also be increasing bad cholesterol, making it a wash effect. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the bull argument is that, you know, when this study uh, reads out, what we'll find out is that very high doses of pure EPA, pure EPA, uh, will indeed move the needle on outcomes. And if that is true, then, you know, this company thinks that it could have a top seller on its hands. You know, it's already doing, I think, about 45, no, 52 million as of Q2 in sales for this drug, right? Up from 45 million last year. They're projecting 230 million in sales. This is without the reduce it results, 230 million in sales this year. And they've got enough capacity um, to be able to serve up to $500 million in sales right out of the gate if reduce it is a success. So obviously um, they're banking on a favorable outcome, but as we've seen time and time again, biotech, right, Christine? Uh, there are no guarantees. Yeah, absolutely. This is, as you mentioned earlier, a huge binary event because if it goes well, there's enormous potential here. Currently, the indication is limited to people with severely high triglyceride levels, which is around 4 million people in the United States. Um, interestingly, promotion of the drug for patients with simply high TG levels is a, you're allowed to do that. It's permitted, although it isn't actually an FDA approved indication. But if this trial is a success, then the FDA might, keyword might, expand the label to patients that are having trouble controlling their triglyceride levels even after statins, and who knows where they'll draw the line, but it could potentially open up a 75 million person market in the United States. Again, that's compared to the current 4 million. And so even though Vasipa has had moderate success with its sales, it's nowhere near the peak sales estimate of $2 billion if the trial goes well and all goes according to plan. And this is a company that kind of needs this. Right now, they're losing money. In 2017, they lost $68 million on revenue of 181. So this is a trial that has a lot riding on it. Yeah. The, what's interesting in the backstory of that moderate versus high dry glycerides, they ran trials for both and they showed efficacy in both the people with the very high, very high 500 um, milligrams per deciliter. And they also showed efficacy in the 200 milligram to 499 milligram. The FDA approved the very high, but they didn't approve the moderate. And they, because they, they, they felt like we need to see cardiovascular outcomes data before we can go ahead and do this. Ameren had to actually sue the FDA for the ability to actually promote it while talking to doctors. So the study that's going on right now that's wrapping up data coming out within the next few weeks, people, um, that did en enroll patients with 200 milligrams and up. So theoretically, if the, that lowers cardiovascular events in that 200 milligram uh, patient population, and the FDA signs off on a, on adding that information to the to the the drugs label, 
then yeah, you could see this company uh, move pretty quickly to profitability. And the reason I say that, Christine, is that yes, they're losing money right now, but a lot of those losses are because of one, um, preparing for the potential for a positive reduce it readout, and two, conducting the reduce it trial, which has enrolled thousands of patients and is incredibly expensive. Once all of those expenses disappear, um, yes, you'll now have to uh, maybe spend a little bit more on commercialization, but you already have a sales team in place. So theoretically, you're just giving them more arrows in their quiver that they can use when talking with doctors. For sure. So we've talked a lot about the potential upside for Amarin. What do you think is the downside? How bad would it be if Reduce It was not a success? Very bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I think that, yeah, again, I think this is a binary event. And I think that, you know, if they don't show, demonstrate there's the ability to lower cardiovascular events, why prescribe it? You know, I mean, if, if triglycerides, if you can't draw the direct link between hydroglycerides and um, lowering them and then that leading to better outcomes for patients, you know, why, why make patients take another, another pill? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's interesting to me, though, that I don't think there's any sort of clear expectation for whether the trial will go one way or the other. I think you have bulls and you have bears, which means that right now the price is kind of in between. So it does have the potential to move drastically higher or drastically lower. I definitely would not recommend the stock to anybody without a humongous tolerance for risk. I think that is very, very good advice. But it'll be fun for those of us that like to watch biotech news and potentially talk about it on podcasts as well. So we yeah, will... and it could be huge, right, Christy? I mean, you know what it could mean for patients it could save people's lives. So I'm rooting for them to have a success, no question. Of course, and I'm sure it will be covered on Industry Focus as soon as we have the news. So that is a wrap for this episode of Industry Focus. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I am an investment analyst with Motley Fool Venture Fund Management, an affiliate of The Motley Fool LLC. The views expressed herein are my own and not necessarily those of Motley Fool Venture Fund Management. Today's show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Christine Hartis. Thanks for listening and Fool On! These days, bringing a new drug to life is getting tougher and tougher. It can take billions of dollars and a decade or more to bring an experimental drug from molecule to market. And only one in five marketed drugs ever achieve revenues that match or exceed R&D costs. At Cineos Health, we're working to improve the odds. The result of a merger between INC Research and Inventive Health, Cineos Health is the only company purpose-built to create what we call biopharmaceutical acceleration. Our unique business model allows the clinical and commercial disciplines to work together from the start, sharing critical data, insights, and knowledge. The Cineos Health approach creates success by eliminating traditional obstacles and smoothing the process at every step along the way, from clinical trials to FDA approval, branding and marketing to patient adherence. Every day, Cineos Health is focused on a simple end goal, shortening the distance from lab to life. To learn more, visit CineosHealth.com slash podcast.